Welcome to Steamy Stories. This daily podcast features the best developing authors of love stories, along with exotic journals of passionate and explicit human interaction. Our curators have selected stories each day, bringing a diverse collection of storylines. Some are historic, some are futuristic, but they all relate to the human quest of physical and emotional desires for sexual expression. We delve into the youthful discovery of sexuality. We chronicle the vast expressions of healthy affection and sex drive. We feature the creative ways that real people overcome life's adversities and limitations and still find sexual fulfillment. And we celebrate the successes of people who restore losses in their love life and go on living in a pleasurable and generous way. Balanced sexuality is essential to healthcare for body, soul, and spirit. Subscribe to Steamy Stories podcast in your mobile apps and browsers. And now, today's story. Lost in Eros, Book 2, The Forest Part 1. By Bradenton Larry. Note, the events of this series, as a whole, follow immediately after Lost in Eros Book 1, The Manor. It is strongly suggested to complete that book first. Chapter 1. Tasha finds herself in a predicament. Tasha strained against the cords that held her fast. Her arms and legs were stretched out against an X-shaped cross, tied securely at the wrists and ankles. The muscles in her thin, strong arms and her bare legs pulled and struggled as her lithe, naked torso twisted against the cross. She had been trying to pull herself loose for what must be an hour now, and was convinced there was no actual hope that she would free herself. Only fierce stubbornness drove her to struggle again and again. At first, her captors had been gathered around Tasha, laughing at her as she fought futilely against her restraints. They had pinched and fondled her naked body, not as if they were trying to arouse her, but out of amusement at her defiant helplessness. They had squeezed and twisted her nipples, not playfully but cruelly, until tears were rolling down her cheeks. Hands had crushed her breasts roughly and slapped her face and thighs until her skin was burning and bright pink. Rude, unloving fingers had been shoved into her pussy, without intending to excite her, only to violate her. It was infuriating to her that her body had responded to this intrusion with grasping, hungry wetness. Although her mind was rebelling against her situation, and the rest of her body was being so badly mistreated, her vagina, and the damned XYZ in her veins, was ready for sex. Tasha didn't give in, though, and wouldn't. That had been the problem. Tasha wouldn't play along. So they tied her up and put her on display in the middle of this broken-down old castle. They had good fun with that, hauling the kicking and fighting naked young woman off and holding her down on the cross while they bound her, and then raised the framework to fit into its base. Tasha particularly remembered one of her tormentors, a big redhead with freckles over her cheeks and nose, who laughed in Tasha's face and then licked her cheek with a broad, wet tongue. After a while though, they got tired of abusing her and wandered off to find other things to do. Now and then someone would pass her by. Sometimes they would prod, pinch or fondle her body, but more and more they would just walk by, laughing. At first she had been happy to realize she'd been taken by the warrior women. Given her previous experience in Eros, Tasha expected to find herself in a sapphic harem, surrounded by playful, horny women. After what she'd gone through, particularly since being separated from Don and the girls, the thought of some girl-on-girl action was quite welcome indeed. 
As soon as she was dumped out into the courtyard of the castle and looked around, though, Tasha realized this wasn't going to be any nice little harem situation. The stones of the courtyard were rough and cold on her bare skin. The women who stood around her were anything but welcoming. They looked down at her with various expressions of contempt and amusement. Each of these warriors was clearly very strong, with well-defined muscles on her arms, legs and abdomen. Odd pieces of armor were combined with tattered garments to barely clothe their athletic bodies. Each one held a weapon of some kind, mostly spears. She's a scrawny one, said one of the women with a sneer. No tits to speak of, said another derisively. Tasha was crouching there in front of them, trying to cover her nudity for the first time since she and Don had awoken in the manor. I'll bet she didn't put up any fight, one of the women scowled with distaste. What about it, little pup? Did you put up any fight, or did you just let them fuck you until they were done with you? Tasha had twisted to get a look at the woman who had asked her those questions. She saw a tall woman with long jet black hair and icy blue eyes looking down at her. The woman's expression gave the impression that she smelled something particularly rank. Tasha tried to think of what to say, but was distracted when she felt the butt of a spear shoved under her behind and a voice saying, I'll bet they screwed her ass too. The blue-eyed woman kept watching Tasha as the woman behind her shoved the spear harder pushing Tasha up to a kneeling position. Another woman asked, well, what is it, girl, did the goats fuck your ass? She's blushing, laughed one of them. I'll bet she liked getting fucked in the ass by the goats. The blue-eyed woman smiled wryly and said, as if you don't like a good ass fucking, Wanda. Well, yeah, but not from a goat. Wanda protested. They all laughed at this, but Tasha didn't feel any more comfortable. The woman with the black hair, and blue eyes was still looking down at her contemptuously. What are we going to do with the scrawny little bitch, then, one of the women asked. Give her to the men. It doesn't look like she can fight, so what else is she good for? She's too skinny to be any fun. I don't know, said the blue-eyed woman haughtily. She reached out and caught Tasha's chin in a strong grip. She turned Tasha's head to the right and left, looking at her face coldly. She's kind of cute. Cute. Tasha suddenly realized how incredibly pissed she was. Things hadn't been going exactly well for days, but she'd put up with it, thinking that Don and the others would turn up and get her out of this mess. Tasha was nothing if not a good sport. She hadn't actually been hurt and she'd managed to have fun in the process, but somehow a line had been crossed. This bunch of obnoxious women was too much to put up with nicely. A simmering rage welled up in Tasha's breast. The cold woman in front of her seemed to see the fury in Tasha's eyes. She smiled cruelly and said, What do you say, little pup, will you be a good little pet for me? Fuck you. Tasha spat. The smack came from somewhere off to the right and battered Tasha's head to the left. A spear shaft came down hard across her bare back, stinging like fire and knocking her forward onto her hands and knees. Show respect, you skinny bitch, said an angry voice. Tasha glowered at the grey stone in front of her, thinking furiously, I'll be damned if I'm going to be anyone's fucking cute little pet. Then she saw a sandaled foot extended under her face. It moved upward and Tasha lifted her head to avoid making contact. There, there, said the blue-eyed woman. I'm sure she'll behave now that she understands that she'll be punished if she doesn't. Right, little pup. Tasha glared up at the woman and said nothing. 
She's a wild one, a blonde woman with braids on both sides of her head, and who looked more than a little like a Valkyrie to Tusha, said cheerfully. Better watch yourself, Daphne. The blue-eyed woman, Daphne, sneered coldly and said, Don't be ridiculous, Bridget. She'll be a good little pet for me, won't you, pup? Show the girls you'll play nice and kiss my foot. Tusha was keenly aware of the fact that she was surrounded by a gang of big bullies with sticks and worse, but she was past caring. She pushed herself up so that she was kneeling on her haunches and said, I'll tell you what, I'll kiss your foot right after you kiss my ass. The blonde, Bridget, thought this was very funny, and Tusha thought some of the others laughed a little too, but again she was smacked this time so hard that she tasted blood. Daphne, who wasn't laughing at all, then said, it looks like the pup needs to be housebroken, ladies. Let's see how she likes being tied to the cross. So, Tusha was woman-handled until, and after she was tied up and put on display in the middle of what seemed to be an ancient, decrepit hall. Fortunately, the women had tired of tormenting her, but they made no move to release her. Tusha pulled again, straining all the muscles in her lithe body against the bonds restraining her left wrist, trying to pull her hand through. She felt the wood of the cross against her back and butt. It seemed as if she would pull her hand off the end of her arm, or at the very least dislocate her shoulder, but nothing gave. She sagged, breathless, against the big X, hanging from her restraints. Tasha resigned herself to waiting until they untied her. In the meantime, she thought back to her adventures since she and Don had come to Eros, both in the manor and since that day, about a week ago, when they had left the manor, and headed out into the forest. She knew reliving some of those events would make her horny, in spite of her situation, but thoughts of her life before coming to Eros would only depress her further. In any case, there was little doubt that the XYZ would have her horny soon anyway. Chapter 2 The Right, Centaurs and Witches and Crones, Oh My Right after leaving the manor Don found himself in strange company. It wasn't the fact that he was accompanied by four sexy women, each of whom he had slept with, sometimes with the active assistance of the others, including the love of his life and best friend Tusha. Nor was it the fact that two of those women had no memory beyond when they had awakened here in this strange place. Rather it was the presence of the amiable centaur, Ralph, who made the situation so surreal. They had gathered around Ralph in the shade of the first trees on the edge of the lawn spread out in front of the manor. Well, we call this the forest, Ralph answered Tusha's question. No, she insisted, what do you call everything the place where the forest is? The world. Oh, you mean Eros, Ralph laughed. People call the world Eros sometimes. Naturally, Don shrugged, smiling across to Tusha. Okay, Tusha tried to resume her explanation, Don, Nicole and I aren't from Eros. We come from a place called Earth, and we would like to get home. Ralph frowned and scratched under his long, dark beard. His equine tail swished a bit too. Then, he said, I can't say that I've ever heard of this earth place, and I've traveled extensively throughout the world Eros. Oh, would you mind scratching right there, dear? Amy, who had utterly failed to resist the urge to caress Ralph's strong flanks, obliged him by scratching at his brown hindquarter, where her hand had been. Well, Don tried, if you wanted to find a way to Earth, is there someone you would ask for help? Hm, Ralph said as his forehead creased with his thought. I suppose the first place one could try is the Witches of the Glen. 
Perhaps they could summon the crone. She is very wise. If anyone knows anything about this earth it's likely to be. That's very distracting, my dear. It certainly is. Shalonda said. She had knelt down next to Ralph and was caressing his prodigious sex organ, which was, naturally enough, responding to the attention. Don wondered if the native fauna responded to the XYZ in the same way the human transplants did. He apologized to Ralph, saying, I'm sorry. My friends have never encountered one of your kind. I appreciate that, Ralph said. It's just that it's been a while since I've been with a mare. There aren't many centaurs around. Don asked. No, not too many. By now Amy and Nicole had joined Shalonda in caressing and stroking Ralph's large phallus. Tasha was watching them with an expression that seemed a violent mixture of curiosity, shock and titillation. Don almost laughed at her reddening face. He saw that Amy was now kneeling on the ground with both her hands on the column of horse flesh pointing at her face, pumping her hands back and forth on it. Meanwhile, Shalonda and Nicole were similarly stroking Ralph's cock. Don thought it was fortunate for everyone concerned that they hadn't come across an actual horse. Oh my. Ralph breathed. Then a deluge of white cum erupted from him, virtually covering Amy's face and front. Pearly droplets splattered everywhere. Shalonda was able to say, wow, in the moment before a second bucket full of cum shot out of Ralph and onto Amy's face, and then there was a third much smaller one, followed by a stream that drizzled out. Nicole reached out and caught some of this in her cupped palm and brought it up to her mouth, only to pronounce it yummy. The girls on the ground proceeded to giggle and laugh as they scooped centaur cum off Amy and slurped it down. Tasha watched this for a moment, until she saw Don watching her with amusement, and then said, oh, what the hell, and got down to join in the fun. I hope that wasn't too rude of them, Don said to Ralph. Oh, no not at all. Ralph laughed. It was a bit kinky, you know. I've never been pleasured by such tiny females, but I'm certainly not complaining. Well, good, Don smiled. Now, I was wondering if you could help us find these witches of the Glen that you mentioned. Once the women managed to finish playing with Ralph's cum and to clean Amy up a bit, the centaur led them through the forest at a pretty brisk pace. Don was happy that he was a good hiker. The women took turns getting rides on Ralph's back and took the opportunity to bring themselves to loud orgasms along the way. At first Tasha seemed shocked by the fact that Amy and then Shalonda were so openly grinding themselves against Ralph's spine and then so obviously coming, but after Nicole took her turn, Tasha climbed up and enjoyed the ride for all it was worth. Don watched her bowing her head against Ralph's shoulder blades as she gasped and sighed with her orgasm and smiled to himself. It was good to see her enjoying herself so thoroughly. For his part, Ralph said he was happy to return the favor done him as much as possible. Amy, however, insisted that she was unconvinced that there wasn't some further way in which Ralph could be of service to the ladies. Don found himself a bit happy when they came upon the glade they were seeking before Amy could put any of her ideas to the test. He sensed that Ralph was a bit relieved too. They were on a cleared hilltop high over the rest of the forest, sloping dark green all around them. The sun was sinking toward the horizon. In the center of the glade were a large stone altar and a large arrangement of wood ready to become a bonfire. Off to the side, against the tree line, was a large tent of crimson cloth. Ralph led them toward this tent. 
Before they got there, though, or even called out, a flap was tossed aside and a beautiful woman in a dark red robe stepped out and said, hello, and welcome. She had a thick manet of yellow and gold hair falling to her shoulders in an unruly tumult. She looked the party over with eyes of light blue-gray and a knowing smile. My name is Cassandra, how may we help you? Hello Cassandra, I'm Don, and this is Tasha, Nicole, Shalonda, Amy and Ralph. It's good to see you again, Ralph, Cassandra smiled. Her voice was musical, friendly and confident, in short, extremely sexy. Thank you for guiding our new friends here. It was an honor, mistress, Ralph bowed. More than that, she winked, judging from the smell of things. An honor and a pleasure, he smiled back at her. I am glad, she nodded. Then, turning to Don, she asked, how may we help you, Don? Tasha, Nicole and I seek a way to leave Eros and return to our home, Earth, Don explained. Ralph suggested that you could help us find someone who could tell us how to do that. The crone, Ralph added. Ah, yes, Cassandra nodded, taking all of this in with apparent simple acceptance. I see. We could perform the summoning right, though you will have to help. We will need a fresh offering for the guardian of the portal, and then there will be a price to be paid to the crone as well. What sort of offering and price? Tasha asked. She had dismounted from Ralph's back and stood next to Don. Oh nothing quite so dire as you might imagine, Cassandra smiled enigmatically. Any of you young ladies will do, though I suggest you or Nicole would be most fitting. Fine, Tasha said firmly, as long as it's nothing life-threatening, I'll do it. Wonderful, Cassandra nodded. And you, Don, will have to pay the crone's price. Surely you will be as brave as your companion. Of course, Don nodded, very much conscious of the fact that he was nowhere near as sure of himself as Tasha seemed to be. Cassandra smiled at them both and then turned to the tent behind her and called, come on everyone, we have to get ready to summon the crone. There were excited exclamations from the tent, followed by a dozen men and women all wearing robes just like Cassandra's. They busied themselves immediately around the firewood and the altar. Don would have paid more attention to what they were doing, but Ralph took this moment to say, well, I will leave you in Cassandra's capable hands, then. You won't stay to see what the crone says. Don asked. No, Ralph shook his head. I want to find myself a mare as soon as possible, and, to be honest, these magical rites are a bit too intense for me. Are we safe here? Don asked in a hushed voice. Oh, yes. Ralph laughed. Cassandra's a sweet, kind person. She won't let any harm come to you, but, well, it's just going to be intense, that's all. It all gives me the willies. Anyway, good luck. The girls all bid Ralph goodbye, and then he trotted off into the forest, which was already quite dark in the dusk. Please, Tasha, come with me, Cassandra said. While they went into the tent, a pair of red-robed women came up to Nicole and Shalonda and led them off toward the fire area. A tall young man approached Don and said, Sir, if you will accompany me. Don followed the man to a wooden chair that had been set off to the side, with a clear view of the altar without actually being close to it. The young man said, During the rite, you will sit here until the crone summons you. Do not participate in the ritual at all until that time. It is very important that you save yourself for the crone. If you do not, she will know and be displeased. Okay, Don nodded. 
sit in the chair and don't have any fun got it. Oh, and remove your clothing. Um, all right, Don said. After disrobing and putting his few items of clothing and his staff on the ground next to the chair, Don sat down and tried to make himself comfortable watching the robed witches go about their preparations. He wasn't surprised to note that everyone in what he was thinking of as the coven was in good shape, even though they seemed to represent a spectrum of different ages, from quite young like Nicole or Shalonda to as old as in their 60s, if Don was any judge of such things. Knowing what he now knew about Eros, though, Don realized that each of these people could be much older than their appearance would indicate, thanks to the rejuvenating powers of the XYZ they drank as water. After the sun set Don was left alone in the clearing, as the others all disappeared into the big tent. Eventually, the group came out in a solemn procession one by one with Cassandra in the lead. Tasha came second and was wearing a white robe. The entire group made a circle around the pile of firewood, and most of them began to sing some sort of hymn the words of which Don couldn't make out. This went on for several minutes, until, abruptly, Cassandra raised her hands high over her head, and the wood in front of her burst into flame. Well, that was certainly a neat trick, Don thought to himself. He caught himself, though, and tried to make a point of not being quite so skeptical as usual. After all, we're trying to play along with this world's rules here. Maybe things won't work if I've got the wrong attitude. The witches had stopped singing now, and Cassandra took Tusha by the hand and walked her over to stand with her back to the stone altar. The other witches, along with Nicole, Shalonda and Amy, closed the gap in the circle. Facing Tusha, Cassandra raised her arms, with her palms up to the sky, and called out, O wise mother who guides us and watches over us, we beseech thee to join us this night that the travelers among us may share in the gift of your knowledge and beauty. The witches around the bonfire repeated Cassandra's words, and four of the men lit torches in the fire and placed them in holes Don hadn't noticed before. These torches were positioned about a meter from each corner of the altar. When the men returned to the circle, Cassandra reached out to caress Tusha's face lovingly. She called out, O guardian of the portal, we offer you this supplicant who comes seeking knowledge and will give you that which you most desire. Then, Cassandra untied the simple knot at the base of Tusha's throat that held the white robe closed. Tusha shrugged the robe off her shoulders and stood there naked in the firelight. If she was frightened or anxious Don could not see it in her expression or posture. Instead, she stood proudly, with her shoulders back and head high. To Don it seemed that it was Tusha, not Cassandra, who was the high priestess of this affair. As the witches around the fire began a low chant, Cassandra took Tusha by the hand and led her to the foot of the altar, and up a set of steps Don hadn't seen earlier. Tusha gently knelt down on the altar and then turned around and lied down upon her back on the cold stone. Don was fascinated to see her bare, pale flesh in the flickering orange and yellow light. He experienced a strong desire to go to the altar then and ravish Tusha even if it did mess up the rite. Instead, he forced himself to sit still in his wooden chair and kept watching intently. Cassandra moved around to the opposite side of the altar, away from the bonfire, and produced a large pitcher that seemed to be made of clay. The witch proceeded to pour water over Tusha's naked body. From the sharp gasp and sudden tightening of her muscles, Don could tell Tusha had not expected this, but she lay still on the altar. When she'd emptied the pitcher over Tusha, 
Cassandra set the pitcher out of the way on the ground somewhere behind the altar, and then leaned over the naked, wet offering and kissed her on the lips. Cassandra came around the altar and joined the circle of chanting witches. Once she was there, the group slowly began to move around the fire. The chanting became a bit more rhythmic, and the witches started to move almost as if they were dancing. One by one, each of the participants broke away from the circle to approach the altar and kiss Tusha on the lips. When they had kissed her, each one dropped his or her robe to the ground in front of the altar before returning to the circle. Nicole, Shalonda and Amy each took their turn in this kissing and disrobing ritual, as if they had done this kind of thing many times. As this went on, with an increasing number of naked chanting, dancing celebrants, the rhythm and pace of the chant very slowly rose. The dancers were now holding hands, or had their arms around each other's waists. Finally, only Cassandra still wore her robe, so she returned to the altar, kissed Tasha. Again and exposed her own naked body to the firelit night. This seemed to be a signal to the others, for the chanting shifted to a much more rhythmic cant, and Don swore there were now deep, distant drums keeping the beat. As soon as Cassandra returned to the circle, the dancing around the fire became more playful. Now sweaty bodies glistened in the orangey light. Don saw Amy moving along between two men, in each hand a stiff cock, while their hands groped her body. Shalonda passed by with a lovely young woman trying to get her mouth on Shalonda's beautiful heaving bosom. Nicole had allowed a man to catch her from behind and the two of them managed to move around the circle while he kissed the back of her neck and reached around to run his hands over her front. Cassandra danced past with the wanton sensuality of a belly dancer and a certain regal bearing, somehow both reveling in the energy of the right and aloof from the playfulness rapidly spreading around the circle. The air seemed to be throbbing with the rhythm of the ritual chant, and the heat of the fire and rising eroticism flooded the night. Don looked over to the altar and saw that Tasha had begun to writhe on the stone. Her hands moved over her upper body, and her legs rubbed against each other, as she felt the aura of lust pulsing from the fire and the dancers. Don watched as she moved her left hand down between her legs, and he had little doubt what she was doing there. As for himself, Don's cock was lying thick on his thigh, growing harder, as the rite progressed. Looking back to the fire, Don saw that the dancing had now stopped, though the chanting and the unseen drums continued on. The witches and company were giving in to their desires. Nearby, backlit by the fire, Nicole, had fallen to her hands and knees, and the man who had been following her so closely was now even closer fucking her from behind. Don was unsurprised to see that Amy was kneeling between her two men sucking one cock while stroking the other, and then switching. He couldn't see Shalonda, but figured she must be on the other side of the fire. He could see Cassandra, though, straddling a muscular young man, her head thrown back and her breasts thrust up in the night air as she rode him. When he turned his attention back to the altar, Don was surprised to see that a strange dark figure was standing there at Tasha's feet. Don almost sprang from his chair, but somehow managed to remember what he had been told, and resolved to sit still and wait. The figure, which Don presumed must be the guardian of the portal, was hard to discern at first, only a darker shadow in the night, but as Don concentrated it resolved into a tall, distinctly masculine form. Don was sure the shadowy man had long horns springing out of its forehead and sweeping back over its head. Tasha didn't seem to notice the creature's presence until it reached out to touch her ankle, 
The jet black hand seemed more like a talon at first, but then just a hand with long fingers. Tasha looked down to see the figure at her feet, but didn't seem frightened or even surprised. Don could see that she said something, but if there was any reply he could not tell, he couldn't make out any features of the Guardian's face, though he had the distinct impression that there were two fiery eyes of dark red in the shadows. Tasha parted her legs for the darkness, and Don watched the claw-like hands moving over her relatively pale skin. As the shadow rose up and lowered itself over her, Tasha's hands left her own body and reached out for the dark shape. Her back arched as the shadows enveloped her. Don found it hard to focus on what was going on atop the altar. At one moment he saw Tasha with her head thrown back and a black creature with its mouth on her neck, and the next there was an almost billowing shadow enveloping her. Then there was a glimpse of her thighs and but as they flexed while she was fucking the shadow enthusiastically. Her torso strained and tensed, and a mouth with sharp teeth was on her white breast. And then darkness swirled around her. Don was aware that all around the fire the orgy had become general, even though the chanting and the sound of drums went on. He knew that Nicole was now on her back while a new man was between her legs, thrusting with nearly crazed lust. He knew that Amy was being fucked from behind while she took a cock in her mouth. He knew that Cassandra was passionately kissing one of her female subordinates, while another suckled at her tits and reached down to play with her, all while still riding her initial partner. Don could feel his untouched cock, straining painfully in its excited, engorged state. However, he could not seem to look away from the altar. Though he couldn't hear anything but chanting, drums and the moaning of the witches, he was sure Tasha was crying out in a long, hard orgasm. He could tell the shadowy creature on top of her was not finished, though. No, said a voice next to him, he will not be finished anytime soon. His need is special. Don looked up to see a woman with long white hair swept away from her face and down her back. She was watching the altar with a smile on her thin, red lips. Her dark eyes sparkled in the firelight as she went on, saying, his phallus is so very hard, like a thing of steel wrapped in a tight sheath of leather. Not as big as one might imagine, but so, so hard, almost painful to touch. Until it fills you and you feel his need becoming your own. She was thin, but tautly muscular, and stood confidently and comfortably next to Don. She wore a black sleeveless shift, bound around her narrow waist with a silver cord. What is his need? Don finally managed to ask. Her features were sharp and aristocratic but her smile was friendly as she looked down at him and said, sex, obviously, but not like you or them, or her. The Guardian feeds off the carnal pleasure of others, particularly the woman with whom he is engaged, but especially if she's new to him. The energy he draws from her orgasm makes it possible for me to come to you. He will couple with her as long as she can take it, drawing sustenance from her orgasms and the lust of the others. He does not couple for release, though, but for the reverse. If he comes, which is quite rare, it will be a fiery jet of liquid ecstasy filling up her body every fiber. A fiery jet. She looked down at him again and smiled warmly, don't fear. I was being poetic. Don smiled back, and your need. She held out her hand, and Don took it and brought it to his lips, kissing her palm. She laughed and said, come with me, Don. To be continued. By Bradenton Larry for Literotica. Thanks for joining us for today's steamy story. 
Come back tomorrow for another tale of explicit romance and passion. We hope you found pleasure in today's story. Be sure to subscribe to Steamy Stories Podcast in your mobile podcasting app. Our podcast server and website also contains our full library of past episodes. Happy dreams.